One and two. Hendricks got him. And for the first time since 2008, Sox fans will see home playoff baseball. The Chicago White Sox are winners of the AL Central. White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill, and our show is at Locked On Socks on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. So thanks for making Locked On Socks your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On Socks is free and available on all platforms, including, like I said, our YouTube channel, Locked On Socks. 312 566 8727. I don't know why I messed that number up. 312 566 8727 is the way you can leave a voice message. We got a couple of those. And the locked on socks at gmail.com is the way you can leave an email. Chris Tannehill, we have come from the valley and now we're summoning the mountain. We got our first spot picked out and we have a little bit ways to go, but it feels so damn good to come from that dredge of that garbage rebuild. And I know we won last year, but this feels official. How are you doing tonight? Well, you know how I'm doing. We're brought to you, first and foremost, the show Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the Spotify Green Room app and find one of our Locked on Rooms. I'm doing good because the White Sox are division champs for the first time since 2008. Bill Walton's doing good. The White Sox win. Print the banner. Line up the parade. Michigan Avenue on the Studge Turkle Bridge, Division Street. Let's go. And Frank Lopez is doing good. Hey, well, guess what? My little eight team, the little Lopezers, they won the division tonight. Yeah, that's great. Congratulations. <laughs> what do you do? Fix the umpire? Uh, what do you do, Frank? Fix the umpire? Um, how fortuitous was it? We, we spoke it into existence, Herb, that Ronaldo Lopez, who is somehow still on this team, one of the first pieces to come over uh, when the rebuild started, one of the first guys we got to see struggle and have success and then struggle again and then basically out of the equation and then as baseball is one to do here he is back and for the second consecutive year Ronaldo Lopez he's the postseason he's the, he's the closer now and I don't mean that in your baseball sense I mean if you want to wrap up a, a postseason spot if you want to have it signed sealed delivered you have Ronaldo Lopez on the bump that's just what you do in this modern White Sox era her but I thought that was very appropriate that Ronaldo Lopez was out there today uh, doing his damn thing uh, and helping the Sox beat Cleveland in game one 
to clinch the American League Central championship here. And uh, it is. It's the, it's the first mountain. It's a very small mountain. We've got bigger mountains, bigger fish, bigger everything here. Uh, but let's take it back a little bit here, Herb. Uh, what were you doing in 2008? And I'm, all, I'm only asking that in the sense of the listeners because I know what the hell you were doing. I was doing the same shit you were doing. <laughs> I was working at this place called 670 The Score, which we are still working at. You let them know. And I've, I've left uh, one time before that. Um, so I was producing the White Sox baseball games on the score back in the day. So I was on, I think me or I don't know if I was on the board, but I was working that 2008, no, 163 game. So that's what I was doing. What were you doing, Christine? <laughs> well, that's what I was doing. Uh, I remember Tim Bach, our buddy, Tim Bach, one of the great men in life, uh, and one of the great men responsible for uh, certainly my growth as a producer along with Jay Zawaski. He did the board that night. I was in the score studios in downtown Chicago for the blackout game. I was at game 162 the night before. That was one of the best games I've ever attended. Uh, but I did the radio. No, I think I did the, the – one of us had to have done radio. One of us had to have done TV highlights, mm-hmm. I, I would think, for, yeah. the, for that game. So um, we did the highlights for, the, for game 163, the blackout game. And we were there in the score studios in downtown Chicago, and I was just I was at the score only for a few months at that time, and uh, you know, and it was it was a real thrill. It was one of those things where it was the first time I remember in my professional life where I had to tell my my dad or tell whoever, um, hey, I, I can't go do this thing because I have to cover this this sporting event, and I have to be there, and it's one of my first shots at the score of being trusted in a big spot in a big game. And uh, what a night that was, man, uh, back in 2008. But boy, boy, the years just go by real fast. Uh, but here we are talking about this team now on our own show. Uh, life is good here. And uh, a lot of things happen in uh, 2008. You may remember uh, some pop culture things, of course. So we had a White Sox fan in the office, uh, the presidential <laughs> office, Barack Obama. Obama! Um, you remember that, you know, uh, election campaign, Sarah Palin, she could see her uh, Alaska from her house, uh, you know, or see Russia from her house, excuse me, and uh, other things. You look at the, the top 100 billboard, uh, 2008, you got Flo Rida, Alicia Keys, who are these people? Lil Wayne, they'll never make music again, this is so long ago, Timbaland, Jordan Sparks, uh, Chris Ooh. Brown, there's no way he'd still be able to make music after what he did, am I right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Rihanna, never heard of her, yeah, so I don't even know what that is. Maybe Rihanna's a band. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what it is. But it's a yeah. song by uh, Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> exactly. So uh, more things change, more they stay the same uh, since 2008. We're, we're score producers still, uh, maybe on a different uh, status level, I, I would think. But uh, what great fun today was, man. And, you know, we, we talk about the importance of one guy who wears number seven on his back for the White Sox. And you talk about this first game today, and we'll talk a little bit about the second game because there was a lot of good stuff happening in that one as well, even though they lost. But game one, you talk about all the anxieties, Herb, and all the fears that White Sox fans had going into the last week and a half of the season here and things that you wanted to turn around for the better. And I think there is no better way to get a party started than like this. That ball's cracked into right center field. Straw is back at the wall. Hey, a good start. Tim Anderson rushes up the first run of the ball game, and the Sox have a 1-0 lead. If you're looking for omens, that is a shining one here in the first inning. 
I was actually looking for Will Omen uh, at that point in the ball game early there. I don't know why. I just felt like I needed him in my life. But uh, Jason was was definitely right there uh, in that spot. The Sox would put the run up on the board early in the first, and then six more runs in inning number two. And this game was pretty much over uh, before it even started. Uh, Eloy with a bomb, Luis Robert with a bomb, Tim added another one as well. You know, home runs on the road, Herb. Home runs on the damn road. That's how you get it done. That's how you advance. Not only survive, but advance in the postseason. And man, that was just a good day from jump for the White Sox today. Yeah, and speaking of, Will Oman, awesome on the radio. We had him as a guest about a month ago. Just stories galore, and he has a great voice. So, um, yeah, Tim, he's the guy. Like... It was a hanging slider, and he looked like the first pitch he wanted to hit out, and he didn't, and that was, I think, the third pitch, and it was a hanging slider he took out to right field, murdered that ball, and then subsequently that second inning, I mean, I don't know if you guys feel the same excitement when you saw that Luis Robert home run. Like, I literally jumped out of my seat because it was just like it. the sound was violent, and it went really far, but he didn't, like, put a lot of effort into it. Like, his swing is just so smooth. It's like a lefty swing from a right-hander. And I, like, whoa! Just a shot of electricity just went through me when he hit that ball. And the Aloy one, I heard it, but it didn't look like he got it all, even though he crushed it. And I knew it was gone from the jump. It was a great inning, and we got the Tim Anderson fastball on the outside. And they're doing this off of Aaron Savale who's no bum. Aaron Savali is out there, one of the best pitchers in the American League last year, and he's pretty good this year. He gave up all seven earned this year, this game, but he's 11-5 on the year, but they were treating him like he's some fifth <laughs> starter on uh, rotation. They crushed him, and Timmy came back up with that three-run job. I knew it was game, set, and match. And then Luis Robert with that longest single I've ever seen him hit. He better not do that again. I know he was posting up, you know, he thought he got it all and he hit it to straight center and he hit it like a rocket. And then Miles Straw played it right, but he has way too much speed to have that ball hit that far and only get a single, but awesome. Awesome to see that start of that game because I knew the table was set. They, they wanted to establish that Savali, you're not going to get comfortable in this game. Actually, you're only going to go an inning two thirds and we're going to win this game. It cannot be overstated, the the big game against Savale. That's got to give them so much more confidence. Just getting the long ball back, period, on the road has got to give them a lot of confidence going into the final stretch drive here where they're trying to really uh, not go into the first round flat-footed. They're trying to get some momentum going in, and I know it's baseball, and momentum is only your next day starting pitcher and all that good stuff, but you want to play good baseball, and you want to get back to playing White Sox brand of baseball. Ball go far, team go far. Pitch the ball well, and there's no one that can beat you when you're on your game. Um, Rick Hahn spoke after the game. You, you hear this show. If you're one of our listeners who listens to us every day, you know the importance of Tim Anderson and how important we believe he is. Well, here's the man himself, uh, Rick Hahn, talking about Tim's importance to this team and his importance on the game today. And I said to him when we hugged here after, uh, after the final out down in the clubhouse, I, I said to him, look, you set the tone, man. This is how we go. You showed it again today. Uh, he is so important. He just transforms the way the top of that lineup goes and the energy and the leadership he provides on the field and the focus. Uh, I mean, you could tell after that second at-bat that he was saying, all right, enough. It ends today. And the rest of the team followed that lead. It was a beautiful thing. 
It ends today. Uh, what a, a remarkable thing uh, for that young man to do. Tim Anderson, you know, this 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 kid who we didn't know was going to be become much because of the White Sox draft history. We had no idea what was going to become of Tim Anderson. And it's pretty evident that this team is just different when he's at the top, when he's hitting for power. When he, and not only that, when he starts the game off, uh, either if he's going to start the game or he's going to finish the game like he did in uh, in the corn game. I think the corn game. You know, what, what, if he's doing either of those two things, the energy around this club just looks totally different when he's performing at a high level. And I don't know what it is, and I don't know how we got here, Herb, and how Tim Anderson became the most important cog in this. And you've got Jose Abreu who's going to have a statue. And, you know, Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert, they're going to be MVP candidates for the rest of their career uh, while they're in their prime. But for whatever reason, Tim Anderson is the one. He goes out there, and just by his presence, everyone else says, you know what, I can just go out there and be me because Tim's at the top being him, so I don't have to do too much because I know when that man's on it, we're good to go here. Yeah, um, I just like the journey, and Rick talked about this. From when he was drafted, he was kind of in the mold of other Kenny Williams-style drafts. And I know Rick probably was taking care of this draft and other people. So everybody was looking with a jaundiced eye at, okay, they took a former basketball player athlete who's only played in junior, like in high school and his junior and senior year and in junior college. What are we going to do with this dude? Like, this is just an athlete. This is Courtney Hawkins all over again. This is Jared Mitchell all over again. And, of course, he's a African-American guy from the South, just like those guys were. I can understand. And I felt that way, too. I was like, what are we doing? I've never heard of this dude. He didn't go to a big-time school. What are we checking for this dude? And when I heard that, like, his glove doesn't play in the in major leagues, I was like, oh, whoa, oh this is just a project. I, then I was like, yeah, the bat does, but, you know, we're going to have a butcher at shortstop. That's going to be terrible. And when he did come up, his defense was not great. He's worked at his defense. His offense was decent, not this, though. He's developed his game to be a top-of-the-lineup guy, and I've doubted his him from being a top-of-the-lineup guy for years now. Like, can he do it again? Can he do it again? Because he doesn't get on base the traditional way of – hitting and walking he pretty much hits to get on base he keeps on proving me wrong every time and the guy has turned himself into as we say and as every white Sox fan says the straw that stirs this team's drink he is the most important player to the white Sox. this 2001 white Sox. when he drives in a run the white Sox win when he doesn't it's gonna be a coin flip and more than likely than not it's going to be tough for them to win. I don't know if any other player in the league has that effect on his team. Like every single time, like if Timmy's go, going yard, yard and Yambo, the White Sox are probably going to have a great day. So it's a, it's a testament to his work. It's a testament to the White Sox development staff. It's a testament to everybody who has worked with him that got him to this point. He is the guy that has driven the White Sox to here. And I know people will say Jose Abreu, but I think much more important. You've seen the times when he is left via injury. This team looks listless. He's the guy. He's the guy who makes this thing go. And his defense has been much improved from where he started from. So kudos to Timmy. Kudos to Rick Hahn. Kudos to Kenny. 
and everybody who's worked with him. You know, I, want, I have a lot of uh, stuff I want to get to later on the show, your emails. This is about you guys. This is a communal atmosphere here where we're celebrating uh, this really hard accomplishment, man. It is hard to win your division in baseball. It is such a grind, and this was the, the real test for this team this year. We Everyone knew they were the best team in the division, but they had to go out and prove it day in and day out, and then you get the injuries along the way. Uh, the Eloy injury, as soon as the regular season started, you're thinking, oh, man, how are they going to fill that void? And then you lose Luis Robert, and then you figure, how are this team going to sustain? But it's a credit to this team scouting. Uh, it's a credit to Rick Hahn and his staff. And the guys who they acquired along the way, Billy Hamilton, Brian Goodwin, everyone who's come up, the young kids coming up, Gavin Sheets, Jake Berger, all these guys coming up and making an impact on this team when they needed it most. And it is hard to be a part of something that's already successful and jump on board and and, and maintain that level uh, and, and keep the train moving, man. But they were able to do it all season long. And this the team is just so likable and so much fun. And, you know, yes, Craig Kimbrell had some more issues today. Cesar Hernandez had, had a couple hits today, but he had, you know, some issues defensively there. Uh, we're not going to talk about that today. There's plenty of time to talk about that in the final week here, and I would like to see it get cleaned up, no doubt. But this team is filled with personalities, and this team is filled with guys that have each other's back. And we had Liam Hendricks on the radio today uh, after the clinch, and he was great. And we asked him about Craig Kimbrell and whether or not you know uh, he gives Craig any advice. And he's like, well, no, he should be giving me advice because he's the one that's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. But Liam Hendricks is such a huge part of this. And they brought him over. And, yeah, he's had some rough moments. But above all, I feel very comfortable when he's out there. And Liam Hendricks spoke about – just the, the clubhouse atmosphere and why this team has been so successful all year long with the, the makeup of the guys they had. Uh, well, I mean, anyone who's too serious too much of the time, they're just going to have a terrible time because you have no fun. And if you're going to be all fun all the time, it's really hard to lock it down and be serious when you need to. It's just a, it's a double-edged sword per se. But um, no, it's, it's something that I've, uh, I've cultured a lot with being able to keep it loose, keep it joking, keep having fun like that. And then, also be able to lock it down and have a different attitude when I'm in between the lines. But there's a lot of guys that do that. They're able to kind of flick the switch between having fun and kind of relaxing and doing it that way. And then when time comes, locking it in and being the uh, the guys in the field that you see. And it's uh, it's always it's always interesting, just guys' different personalities when they're on the field compared to when they're off the field. And it's uh, – I mean, we play too many, guys, too many teams with too many guys, so you just think that guy is an asshole. And then you actually get to play him off the field, and he's fantastic. Uh, I'm hoping that's what people think about me because I have no problem being that guy on the mound. But off the field, I feel like I'm a little bit of a different human, a different different personality, and we go from there. But, um, yeah, the seriousness and the, the the fun having, it's it's part and parcel of the way this team has survived, and we've done a very good job of bringing guys in that have the same mentality. I think everyone's come in and, and flicked the switch and, and been able to turn that on and off, which is fantastic, and that's the reason we're able to win the division this year. This team could have folded up the tent after Eloy's injury. They could have done it after Luis Roberts' injury, but they didn't. And I, I you got to credit Tony Larusa for letting these personalities manage and police themselves. And and it's just amazing how this team was so resilient all year long. And I think when you tell the story of this team, regardless of how far they go, but the fact that they were able to just keep it all together in, in amongst that loose clubhouse atmosphere. 
Because if you grip that bat too tight and you're looking over your shoulder and you're worried uh, every every inning of every game, that can be a hard atmosphere to win ball games in. But they were able to keep it loose, but also keep that high level of expectations there and everyone who came up was was able to rise to that occasion and I think that's when we think about this team years from now uh however they place here in the postseason I think that's going to be uh the the calling card of this team this year and I'm just proud of them for uh keeping it all together all season long yeah it's a very um light and jovial and the getting each other's asses it's that's what you need I mean when you think about well when i think about that white Sox team this white Sox team i think just about those guys on the bench i think about brian goodwin and billy hamilton and tim just cracking on each other uh looking in the clubhouse and seeing uh luis and aloy lighting up and making a guy who you usually you see is stoic and just smile or just sitting you know not you know sulking or anything but Hose is, you know, smiling all the time now. He's happy because the team's good. Those guys in the clubhouse are loosening him up, and I think it shows on the on the field. He, everybody is very, very happy. Like last year, I noticed like he started doing that thing where catches the last out and they start sprinting towards third base <laughs> and like fires the ball to shortstop or third base. That thing, those things are excellent. Those things are fun. And a guy who is always about this business. You see Yasmani smiling, having a good time, enjoying life. You know, you need to have those uh, uh, times. With, and Liam, I think he spoke about this on the show. Like, you don't want to be 100% serious and not know when to have fun. And you don't want to be all jokey and not know when to lock it down. This team has that great balance of attitude. And whatever, if you want to give that credit to the clubhouse itself, or a specific entity like Tony, go ahead, be my guest. But whatever it is, that mix is good. Those guys like each other. And I don't know if that uh, fosters itself into wins, you know, the chicken or the egg. You know, if you're a good team, do you like each other or do you like each other? Then you become a good team. I don't know. But whatever it is, it's working on this one. All right, we're going to take a quick time out here. We'll get to some of your emails and we'll get to some of the things that happened in game two that are very much relevant for the postseason. That's next here on Locked on White Sox. And Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at NetSuite. Slow is just right if you're on vacation, a sloth, or describing QuickBooks. More like slow books. Am I right, Herb? Yeah, it sucks you in and slows you down with manual processes, integration difficulties, and glitchy delays that leave you scrambling for the numbers you need. Now is the time to make the switch to NetSuite by Oracle, the number one financial system, because NetSuite gives you the visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more. It's everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time, no matter how big your business grows. Failing to switch to NetSuite will leave you stuck trying to make sense of your books while your competitors sprint ahead. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control since switching to NetSuite, so why don't you? So right now, special financing is back. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program only for those ready to switch today. Head to netsuite.com slash locked on. Right now, get special financing at netsuite.com slash locked on. That's NetSuite. That's netsuite.com slash locked on. And we're also brought to you today by our friends at Built Bar who've been rocking with us 
pretty much the entirety of, of us doing the show here, and we thank them for their support over the years. You know, everyone loves freedom of choice, don't you, Herbie? This country, it's what makes it great. You know, it's got something for everyone here, no matter what you're talking about in life, and that's certainly the case uh, with Build Bars. And I know we got a, a drop recently. I, You know, you gave me the heads up. You're like, hey, you get a package from Build Bar today? I was like, I don't know. I got to go home and check. What was awaiting for you when you got home the other day from our friends at Built Bar? I got some cookies and cream Built Bars, like six or seven of those. Just awesome. I have them still in my uh, backpack. I take them to work. I was like, I was hungry today because I'm on this new diet, trying to get a little healthier for the uh, winter. And I needed a break between two o'clock through six o'clock because I'm just at the station without anything to eat. Built Bars come in perfectly. And that sustained me from the time where I needed to cut up White Sox tape until the time I got home. It was awesome. Yeah, I got some cookie dough chunks, and they were really good. I need to get back in, in uh, incorporating Built Bar into more of my life. Sometimes you make those bad choices, and that's okay. You can always rebound with a Built Bar. You, you carry them around with you at work, and they, they always help if you just want to have a sweet craving or you just need a, a snack, something substantial that will hold you down till dinner because Built Bars are always packed with protein. They've got 17 to 18 grams worth in each bar, and low calorie count here. You're talking 130 to 180 calories in each bar, and only 4 to 5 grams of sugar. So if you're doing a diet or just trying to have a healthy lifestyle, they're a great way to supplement and uh, get some nutrition. And also, they're, they're delicious. Let's be real, folks. Uh, they're amazing flavors. They've got something for everybody there. Coconut, cherry, barcia, mint, brownie, all types of flavors. You guys always weigh in and tell me which ones you enjoy. Someone tweeted me today to see if they were legit. Uh, first time uh, Built Bar customer, so we appreciate them. Uh, but if you order today, uh, don't forget our promo code. Go to BuiltBar.com. Excuse me, that's Built.com. Go to Built.com and use our promo code LOCKEDON, and that's going to get you 50% off your order. That's 15% off your order at Built.com with the promo code LOCKEDON at Built.com. All right, game two also went down, Herb, and there was a very mundane celebration for the White Sox following game one. As we found out later on, they actually celebrated after game two. There's a really great photo that the White Sox tweeted out if you haven't seen it. It's my new desktop background here. It's the guys all on the field uh, in Cleveland with their with their AL Central Championship gear and some beverages out there. And it's a really beautiful shot. Like it's It's nice to see that silver and black. Uh, in abundance when you're talking about the uh, the division title wear like it just it's aesthetically pleasing to see that stuff out there you know we we had seen enough of uh, of dodger blue or cubby blue over the years like it's good to see the uh, the black and silver back out there uh you know uh, all in unison it was it was great to see but in game 2 herb michael kopek started this game and i thought that was this was an interesting choice uh, but Rick Hahn uh, would have gone to say in the post game what the plan is for Kopech. Over the next 10 games, or however many there is exactly left, uh, we do hope to get him multiple multi-inning outings so that he's capable of doing that in the postseason. Doesn't mean that Tony won't deploy him at some point in a one-inning outing, but having him able to give us you know, three ups in an individual game will, will be a benefit to us. Now, this is not the strongest lineup in the world, Herb. Uh, the, the Cleveland Indians version of we see them right now. But they've got a couple of thumpers in there. you still got Reyes and Ramirez. But Kopech goes two innings, gives up nothing, and strikes out four. He was pretty damn good in his uh, short afternoon today. Really good. I looked. I love that they're going to put him out there for multiple inning starts, especially this helps out himself to get that work in. And then also for these starters to get a nice amount of rest, especially Carlos Rodon. 
uh, for the playoffs. So I was all in for it, and he was on his game. I, with the lineup not being great, with the guys already celebrated a championship, it was good. I mean, I know they didn't go all out, but, you know, they weren't playing. Um, it was good to see Michael Kopech out there just like business as usual. That Cleveland team was trying to win. They had real people in there trying to win. And he was like, no, nah, not today, guys. Four strikeouts in his two innings of work. So uh, this seems to me like a Carlos Rodon. I don't know if this was their plan the whole time. I think uh, they would have started to ramp him up sooner if this was the plan. But this yep. seems to me like this is your Carlos Rodon backup plan. Like obviously, there's a lot, lot that's going to go down on Wednesday, and oh boy, Wednesday show, uh, Thursday morning show next week is going to be a big one. This is very much Carlos Rodon's contingency plan, and either they're going to have Rodon give them whatever they can, whether it's an inning or two, but they want to piggyback him with Kopech and with Kopech, in my opinion. Uh, for a few innings there in a postseason game, and I think that's what they're trying to do here. What do you think? Yeah, and and they don't see what they need to see Tuesday at a guaranteed rate out of uh, Carlos Rodon. This is a way where you can do a bullpen game. Like, you can start the series off with uh, Lance Lynn to get in that first start, then Giolito, and then going to Cease in the third game. And if you need be, going to Michael Kopech for the fourth game and saying, hey, or like you said, starting Carlos Rodon, and then having Carlos, I mean, having Michael Kopech on the ready to pitch if he see anything that is untoward. I like it because you have these bullets. You better, better use them in the spots that you can. Like, you're expecting great starts from your three starters before him, it, whether that's Rodon, Lynn, or Giolito, or that's Lynn, Giolito, and Cease. So might as well use Michael Kopech in those like you don't want to have those holstered while you go down so he's one of the best pitchers like if you had to put one through 12 he's probably your fourth or fifth best pitcher in the rotation right in the rotation of the bullpen yeah so you might as well have that you don't want to just have that just available for the bullpen like use him or lose him. Like I, I want him to be available. If Carlos Rodon is not available at his full Carlos Rodonness, give me Michael Kopech. Absolutely, and he just looked different, didn't he? I know they talked about it in the broadcast, but him taking command out there, starting a ball game, he it just like looked like it was a different vibe. Like he's passed all this the is t- like yeah, he he passed all the tests this season. Whenever he got thrown out there. Uh, to to open a game and you know he just it's encouraging for this year for the short term right now but it's also encouraging for the future um, you know I just you know I don't know if he's going to be in the rotation next year or what they're going to do with him uh, but it's one of those good problems and uh, you know it's certainly good to see him uh, come out there on short notice uh, I, I had to imagine he did, did not know too far in advance that he was going to be starting game two but he came out there and it was all business uh, you know the ponytail was was flowing there, and uh, he he shut it down for two innings. You mentioned that game two lineup, Herb. Um, I noticed you didn't get a chance to run my lineup into Coach Tony. I, I devised a, a game two lineup because there was so much talk about what the game two lineup was going to be because everyone was going to be drinking after game one celebrating. But I drew up my own game two lineup, and uh, and you didn't seem to have any positive feedback for it. I'm going to share it with the audience here uh, in case you guys uh, would like to know. Basically. It's uh, what players are left, and this is like some of the best of the guys from the past few years during the rebuild, okay? So uh, let's go. Leading off, I've got Charlie Tilson in center field. 
Future is home. Yes. Batting second, I've got Leary Garcia at short because why would he get the day off? Leary's got to play no matter what. Uh, he's just here. Like, he's always here. Even though when he's going to be 50 years old, Leary's still going to be in the White Sox. <laughs> um, batting third at first, I've got A.J. Reed. Okay, oh, A.J. Reed. Uh, like, Ricky literally had him at cleanup. <laughs> The day before he got DFA. Uh, well, don't worry. He's got some protection here. DHing behind AJ Reed is Cody Ashy, uh, who, oh. who Hawk said it sounded almost Asian if you say it fast. Cody Ashy. <laughs> uh, batting, batting fifth and right, Reimer Liriano. I had forgotten that he was a White Sox. <laughs> uh, batting sixth. In left, Willie Garcia. I definitely remember him. Of <laughs> because, course, remember the all huge deal about the that. three Garcia outfield. Yeah, yeah um, not three people who are not related that happen to have the same last name all playing a outfield position. Great. Uh, batting seventh, catching Rob Brantley. Ugh. Batting eighth at third, Jose Rondon. I do remember him. Ugh, and bat- this is bad. He played way too much. <laughs> he did play a lot. Uh, and batting ninth at second, Ryan Goins. So there's my lineup for game two that was apparently rejected at the last minute. Uh, those are some of the, the the best names from the 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 really really lean years over the rebuild. And of course, you're wondering who's taking the ball from me. Who's the man on the mound uh, in game two? Odorisamar Despagne. Who else? Who exactly. else? But but the O dog. I was I was gonna go with Matt Latos. <laughs> oh yeah, you know what? Volstad would have been a good option too. Big Pelf, Mike Pelfrey would have been a good oh, option. <laughs> Any of those? I tell you what, you can Filthy. just piggyback them. You know what I mean? Like boom, bullpen game. Just have them coming at you one after another. Uh, no, have them all at the on the mound the same time. I bet <laughs> you they all give up up hits. <laughs> but at the, the game two had a couple of encouraging signs in it. First and foremost, Andrew Vaughn breaking out of his slump. With the big uh, two RBI hit and working a really lengthy at bat there, that was a really good sign to see because that's a big unknown here going into the postseason. We know we want him out there. He's been dealing with uh, the nagging injury and and fatigue and all that stuff, but I think that was a big moment for him coming out in that ball game tonight and getting himself a knock there. Uh, really, the accounting for what was almost the 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 only runs the White Sox would score off of his hit, but until the seventh inning. When Class A came in there, and I don't know how Cleveland ever loses uh, with Class A coming out there in the pen, uh, throwing 102 with movement. Like every time he's out there, I'm just like, all right, that's when you start. Just I'd be packing my bags in the dugout. But the Sox managed to get to him a little bit, and they didn't try to do too much. And I thought this was encouraging in this ninth inning. Uh, they were able to put, uh, you know, uh, they, they put a run up in the, uh, excuse me, the seventh inning. They put a run up in the seventh inning there. They could have gotten more. But uh, four straight hits and guys not trying to do too much—that was uh, encouraging stuff right there. You got to feel like this may this game may have been a throwaway game, but when you go up there against one of the best closers in baseball, I think one of the I think the best closer that we've seen all season. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's got to leave you with a good feeling too. Uh, I think they accomplished a lot today offensively, hitting the long ball in game one and battling their ass off against a good closer in game two. I think th- those are useful things that they can take with them going forward. Yeah, and it was the seven, eight, nine hitters who started off. Sheets was blown away by a 102 mile per hour fastball for strike two. He tried to go back up there again, and Sheets said no. Right back up the box, crushed that class D minus pitch right there. <laughs> and then Billy Hamilton was trying to bunt the first ball, and then he's like mm, too fast. And then just did a butcher boy to right field and got 
on base there for a hit. And then Collins, there was a stroke of genius right there by Tony and Super Joe. They did the old school Seattle Mariners thing with Sweet Lou saying, hey, go right up to the batter and act like you're going to be bunting and tell them some something that, you know, that's nebulous. No one cares. It doesn't mean anything. He probably just went up to him and said, blah, 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 because the sign was already uh, taken and it looked like Collins was going to bunt him. Then he took the bat back and then solid uh, single up the middle or no single up there to right field. Yep. So like these moves and doing off of class a is a huge thing. He was still throwing 102 guys. Don't let it be twisted. He was having awesome stuff out there. These guys just had great at bats. And then the, they called in an air, but I thought it was more of a fielder's choice uh, on that ball that was hit to the first baseman Chang. That should have been a run. They called it an unearned run. Garbage on Cesar Hernandez hit. And then, you know, the White Sox didn't scratch any more runs across the board. But to do that, when that guy does that closing thing to everybody and strikes out most of the guys that he faces is amazing. They showed a stat where he has the most 100-mile-per-hour pitches in the game, and it's like a 200 pitch lead over the next guy like he's like the he has like 430 the next guy has like 230 it's ridiculous he's awesome and it's a cutter too so it's 102 and a cutter you saw him in the bat versus grandal where he's throwing 102 and he's breaking grandal's bat and eventually got grandal to pop up to the shortstop he's throwing fast and he's throwing hard and it's cutting back into the batters, especially if you're a lefty. So yeah, he was out there still having good stuff and the white Sox are just having better at bats. All right. We'll take a quick time out. Then I will turn the show over to you guys, the listeners. You guys have a lot of good things to say. I, I, I'm done with the e- email inbox being filled with Kimbrel and then a bunch of trash can emojis and stuff like that. I'm done with that for this week. It is a Friday show. It's a feel- that was just from my mom. <laughs> yeah. It's a feel good Friday show, uh, a division clincher uh, celebration show. So we're going to get to your emails next here on Locked on White Sox. And Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for the pro, college football, and even baseball action the rest of the way here with a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget, use promo code NFL100 from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. If you're looking to play a little uh, friendly wager here for Justin Fields making his NFL debut this Sunday, you can go on there and check out some of the props, some of the over-unders, or just bet on the game straight up. You can do so at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And don't forget that promo code locked on at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. We're also brought to you today by our friends at DirecTV. Does this sound familiar to you, Herbie? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. There's another one that lets you stream your favorite shows. 
and you're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the good stuff. I use my parents' login for some of the premium channels. Thank God for that. Uh, but then I share my you know, Netflix and stuff with them. So it's all good. But it's a lot of stuff you're juggling here, right? Well, I want to tell you guys about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without all the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place that means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again and the best part there's no annual contract so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your tv together with direct tv stream you can learn more at directtv.com that's directtv.com compatible device required content varies by package herbie should we open up that bag let's do it a lot of emails we're going to try to get to some there's another email i love email you guys know what it is. We love your emails, too, especially on a night where we're celebrating a division championship. But how do they get their emails right on the show, Herb? LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. That is LockedOnSocks at gmail.com for all your emails. And this one, the first one I've got leading off here, uh, has, uh, this person's been waiting a while to send this one, so let's get right to it, hon. I've got your voicemails here as well at 312-566-8727. That's 312-566-8727. Uh, this one coming in from Will C. He says, Tanny and Herb, I wanted to wait until it was wrapped up to write this email to try and put this special year into perspective. For myself, for, if, if for, myself, if for no one else, I'm writing at 11.20 p.m. where I'm in Nairobi, Kenya. Wow. And I just finished watching The Clincher. I've been a Sox fan since 1991. It started when my brother gave me all his baseball cards and I looked them up to see how much they were worth. Only one of them was worth more than $1, and it was some guy named... Number 35, Frank Thomas. Uh, eight-year-old me knew that meant that he was the best. Uh, it didn't, but he was, uh, and that the White Sox were the best. 1993 was special, and I knew 1994 was going to be their year. I couldn't wait for the newspaper to come every day those two summers so I could dig into the box score and see how Frank Thomas and the Sox did. Then the strike happened, and I felt cheated. Throughout the rest of the 90s, I kept following baseball, although not closely as I did in 93 and 94. By 2001, though, I was a father of a two-year-old working and eventually entering college. Needless to say, I wasn't following baseball that much. By 2005, I was too into politics, community organizing, and the ladies at my HBCU, a historically black college university, really to be invested in that team. I was happy when they won, but sadly did not watch a single one of the games that year. That's kind of how I stayed for a long time. Then, the Sox drafted this kid named Tim Anderson. I can't say I knew he was going to be special, but it meant a lot for me that in a game seeing few and fewer black Americans playing in the bigs, here was a guy that had a chance to break that mold. I still wasn't an everyday follower, though, but I was interested again. Then, in late April 2019, I went back to the U.S. from Beijing, where I was living at the time, for a long weekend to visit my then 19-year-old daughter living in Chicago. I resolved to go to a game, my first since seeing Sale outdoor Verlander 2-1 to in 2013. <laughs> so I rented a house a couple blocks from the stadium. I made it to the Friday night game, saw the Tigers build up an eight-run lead. The team's star rookie left fielder got injured while jump-kicking the left field wall and then saw the team storm back, all culminating in the bat flip walk-off. 
that was when they had me again, and I knew this team was special. I was there that night with my family as well, uh, we'll see. I wasn't able to see a lot of games in 2020 because of COVID and all the other issues going on distracted me from baseball, even though it probably should have been the other way around. But in January of this year, I started listening to your podcast and have listened to every episode since, uh, save one or two for the real gut punch losses <laughs> and appreciate everything about it. From the celebrity appearances, Jake Lamb, to the hip-hop talk, I was too hurt <laughs> when Guru passed as well, to the level-headed approach in the long season. I also bought MLB TV's Game Pass and either watched or listened to 95% of the games. This team has seen me through the final three months of living in China, a long summer vacation in Oregon, and my family's transition to Kenya. The day of the Field of Dreams game, I first made my whole family watch the game or watch the movie, and then we sat and watched the entire game together. When Sebi barely fouled that ball down the third baseline, I said to my eight-year-old son, he's lucky he gets another chance if he gets on. A home run from T.A. will win it. We all know what happened next. Fuck, this team is special. Sorry, Tegna. And he has it in the email, too. Sorry, Tegna. Sometimes they slip. Am I right? Now, this is a P1 right here. As a sorry, Tegna, they slip sometimes. Uh, He continues on to say, I know this is probably too long to read on the podcast. You're wrong. Uh, But I wanted to share it with you to let you know how special this year has been for me. In spite of a huge personal, professional, and societal problems, the Sox, Benetti, and Stoney, Lennon, DJ, and Tanny, and Herb have kept me grounded every step of the way. This team has inspired me as well as made me reminisce on what it was like watching the Big Herd and those Sox teams. Sports is just sports, but sometimes it's more than that. No matter how these playoffs end, this has been a magical, magical summer and one I'll never, ever forget. Thank you for being part of it. That's we'll see, says Go Sox. Man, I didn't read that email before we got on tonight, and now I'm starting to get a little uh, uh, something. Someone's cutting onions down here in the basement, man. Just like to, first of all, it's thank you for checking in all the way from Kenya. That's much appreciated. Uh, and just thank you for the kind words. And but that's just baseball, right there, man. It just it bonds us all together, and sports bonds us all together. And uh, just thank you for reaching out. We'll see that that meant a lot to me, and I'm sure it, it did to you as well, Herb. Yeah, it's um, it's special to know. Like we know we're speaking to actual people who are listening to this. People come up to us all the time and say, "Hey, I love the podcast." But when we're doing it, we're just doing it, you know, to get. You know, I'm thinking I'm talking to Tanny, you know, <laughs> that's and that's all. That's why I'm doing the show, because I want to talk to her about the socks. And then if other people want to listen, they listen. If they don't, they don't. If no one listens, I'd be fine with that, you know, because I'm just talking socks with my guy, Herb, which is what I would be doing anyway. So yeah. that's why this format works, I think, you know. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, when you hear people say things like that. It's, you know, tugs at the, str- the heartstrings and it makes you feel good from Nairobi in Kenya. Like, that's amazing. Like, the guy is well-traveled. He sounds like he's very uh, well-to-do. He's got Worldly, other things yeah. In- yeah, got other things in his life, got a family. But, you know, he's checking out our little show. You know, that's, that's that feels good. It feels good that people are taking time out of their day, like, to listen to us and that's awesome thank you very much for those emails like we read them all guys like i said we read them all not all of them make it those type of things make us feel good thank you and it's an awesome thing you know 1991 is around the time that i started being a white Sox fan more it was like late 90s uh 1991 season so that's i can relate to that also as a african-american man it seems like you are if you went to and you might be a white dude who went to hbcu i don't know hell 
<laughs> I know in the email he said he's black, whatever. <laughs> but it's good to good. Thank you, sir. Yeah, man, great stuff right there, and thank you so much for sending that. All right, let's get to one of our uh, one of our regulars here checking in. I, I hope we do. Let's see, one, two, three more shows like this where we're celebrating and it's communal and people are happy. We got three more of these hopefully on deck uh, after the ALDS, the ALCS, and the World Series. I'm hoping. So I love these shows, man, because like I, I could go on doing the show for hours, even though they only want us to do like a half hour, but we're approaching an hour here and now we got mark from litchfield park checking in hey chris and herb mark and litchfield park great day mm-hmm. historical day locked it down and did it in style uh really enjoyed that today had a great time so um a little bit more of a ray of sunshine today but uh <laughs> anyway thanks guys kimbrell sucks <laughs> oh mark said- i thought we were trying to keep it upbeat here today did you notice that I, lawrence pointed it out on twitter but you notice that sun came out too after that game one clinch it was a, a dark day in chicago but then once that socks clinch happened the, the skies opened up and uh, the sunshine uh, revealed itself here uh, let's check out the 630 here hey chris herb Tammy, hey ryan from chicago here a couple of thoughts one Probably a good idea that Tony was resting the players, especially T.A. down the stretch line. We're not going to catch his throws for second place. Two, we won the division today. We wore black. I ask you again, Game 7 of the World Series, are we wearing black or are we wearing pinstripes if we're at home, depending on who we play? But lastly, number three. Hello? We lose him. We lose him. <laughs> he had a, I know what happened Probably here. can't hear it. Disregarded. Oh, no. <laughs> I think I know what happened there. Uh, I think he was trying to connect a Bluetooth speaker with some sort of song on it. Uh, but uh, either way, we, we thank <laughs> we thank our guy for checking in from the 630. Yeah, man, it's just, it was a happy day. Uh, so World Series Game 7, uh, and if the Sox are at home, uh, I don't think they would be, right? Um, well, anyway. If they're in a clinch, they could wear the black no matter where they're at. Uh, yeah, you you don in the black uh, in in a possible World Series clincher scenario, Herb. I mean, yeah, I think those black uniforms should be their uniform for the whole playoffs, and the fans should follow suit. I would love a just a blackout atmosphere. I know we did it one time and it was very successful. I don't know why we that's not our playoff aesthetic. That should be like. Like that day, you remember how hot, loud it sounded on TV, and people who were there says say it was the loudest they've had that stadium ever sound. So I don't know. Maybe the atmosphere of 163 caused that, but everybody being in unison, having the same uniform on of black and just cheering for their team that's wearing black, man. I couldn't see anything better. You see what the Boston Red Sox are doing. They're winning. They're wearing those ugly ass yellow uniforms. Oh, and everybody's gathering hey. around that. They're feeling they're feeling hey. themselves about that. Did you see that Chris Sale slider to Javi Baez last night? The we, one I, that hit him in the back foot and yes. swung at anyways. Yes, insult to injury. <laughs> Oof. Literally. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, man. I'm surprised they never gave those Southside jerseys another go to try to get the good mojo going back with those things. Because fans love those jerseys, but they sucked when they wore them. And 
and uh, even on other Friday home games, they never wore them again. Uh, so, you know, baseball players are weird like that. And, uh, you know, they didn't play horribly a lot of times in those jerseys. I think they only wore them like two or three times, but I'm surprised they, they never came back. Uh, I think we have an old friend checking in here as we wrap up the show. Hey, hey guys. Um, <gasps> oh, man. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's me. Oh, it's Strickland. Whoa, who? Uh, first and foremost, oh. uh, congratulations to the, to the White Sox. I mean, amazing job. And, Coach Tony, and first of all, Coach Tony, and, mm-hmm. and the rest of the squad did. Yeah, yeah I'm here in Toronto. Um, I don't know really uh, what to think about, uh, what to do with my, uh, <laughs> my career, but we're a half team behind in the, in the little wild card, and I really think we're gonna we're gonna do this thing here. So, but it's great in Toronto. Uh, again, I don't know about, uh, how, how everything's gonna, you know, shape up and ship out, you know? But, either way, wish nothing but the best to, first of all, Coach Tony. Yeah. And, you know, second of all, you, Herb. Uh, I just hope I can be, we can make the playoffs, and I can be a factor in the playoffs. Uh, congrats to the White Sox, uh, for the, for everything they've done. I mean, I swear, I, I really, I really mean that. No, I, I think this is the last time I'm calling. Thanks, guys, for everything, especially you were in Coach Cody. Bye, guys. Yeah, I couldn't tell what music uh, Jake Lamb was listening to, but we appreciate him calling in. I know he was probably had some uh, 90s hip-hop there in the back, if we know Jake Lamb uh, at all. This thing, the White Sox are on a collision course with the Blue Jays and Jake Lamb, aren't they, Herb? That, that's, there's no way that they're not going to meet in the ALCS, and we're not going to have Jake Lamb content the rest of the way here. I just I just think it's destiny at this point. Wait, wait, it's looking. Oh, the Blue Jays have designated for assignment Jake Lamb. Oh, no. Did they just do it because he <laughs> called in? What the hell, Blue Jays? Oh. I know it's the first time he's called in as a Blue Jay, but damn. Do you think? He, loves, he still loves Coach Tony. What a dick. <laughs> do you think uh, Jake even has the news? Does he think he's going to find out on the show? I hope not. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but uh, it's what it is. Um, all right. Uh, should we close it out with one last phone call here from one of our uh, most loyal of, of listeners providing content all year. We can't leave him out. We, we got to everyone else tonight. Uh, look who it is checking in here as we wrap up the show. Hey there, boys. Ball correct. Yeah. We won the division. Thanks. We're, you know, we're the AL Central champs. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, though, well, that actually is first and foremost. But secondly, then, I guess, congratulations, Herb. Uh, I knew you and Courtney would figure it out and do your thing, and I couldn't be happier for you. I really, I really mean it. Um, let's go on to the other business, though. Uh, oh, geez, how important is Tim Anderson to this goddamn team? Sorry, Tekken, but how is he? How important is he? I just really hope, like that, this whole thing, from Coach Tony and whatever keeping him healthy, he is the spirit of this team or whatever. Whatever Herb always says, the stir that draws, (laughs) stirs it, and the the straw that stirs and all that. He really is, though. Um, 
And what a great game today. That uh, What a great game he had today. And I don't know. I'm just – if he – like, like and actually, Tanny, get it ready, corn game. What you're like? That's what that he shows up in big games, and that's what we need him. So like he did in Canny, corn. I think the corn game. Um, (laughs) Well, the other things I have to say is outside of just being so delighted that we won our first division in freaking thirteen years is why does Billy Hamilton's helmet always fall off? (laughs) <laughs> like really seriously it always like I know he's fast and everything but I, it reminds me of when I was in T-ball and I there was this time I was in third base and I was and I had my little hat on you know and I was like alright I'm gonna put I, I put it real high on my head because I was like if I get to run home then my hat will come off and then I'll look really cool like a major league baseball player Billy come on man you're in the bit. You're in the big leagues. Wear a smaller helmet. Uh, that being said, the last thing I have to actually say is hashtag White Sox gotta be the sure shot. R.I.P. Guru. Love you, boys. I'm out. Paul Correct. Bye. Oh, our guy Paul Correct always bringing the funny right there. Met him last week at Ballpark Pub. It was good to see you and put a face to the voice. Uh, apparently, I've met him before, and I didn't remember him. But, you know, Paul Correct, good people there. And, yes, uh, we echo those sentiments there from Paul Correct. Uh, yeah, it's very, very weird to uh, know that the White Sox are the 2021 AL Central champions. That is a real thing that happened today that we are celebrating right now. Like, that guy... Did you hear the end of that call? No, I had to oh. run away there, Herb. Run away! Did you saw, I mean, I mean, he was just getting sentimental. It sounded <laughs> like Paul Correct was getting a little choked up. Yeah, uh, I, I missed that there. You know what happened? Um, my ring uh, app went off. Oh, look at you, big shooter! Somebody's <laughs> texting you at eleven o'clock or coming to your door at eleven o'clock. Well, yeah, that's why that's, I had that's to. That's disrespectful. Uh, well, that's why I had to bolt here for a second to see because you, I can check out my front camera here on my phone as I'm doing the show and I see someone out by my car with a flashlight and, mm. and needling around in my car and then I go out there and uh, it's our mailman he dropped his keys on his route earlier today so the poor guy's got to go up and down the block with a flashlight to try to see where he dropped him <laughs> mailman better be <laughs> chill out man got I, guns I, get, I don't get to get the shoddy out here but my, my neighbor was out there too so i knew once i saw him out there it was all good but uh yeah man uh sorry about that but yeah i'm sure paul correct was very sentimental sorry i was late on the trigger there with the corn game but i was trying to figure out what was going on outside of my house so uh yeah it's a good place to end it. it's a weird night so i just got weirder here so uh i'm gonna go out and see if i can maybe help the mailman out a little bit he's a good dude and we can't have him out there uh having other people think uh you know, people are messing with their cars. You can't go out in front of people's houses like that at this time of night. So uh, that's uh, all I got today, Herb. That is Chris Tannehill. At Chris Tannehill is the way you can follow him on Twitter. Me, Herb Lawrence, Ecknerwall23. And the way you can follow our show is at Lockdown Socks on Twitter, on Instagram. And thank you for making Lockdown Socks your first listen every day. Remember, Lockdown Socks is free and available on all platforms like Twitter, like Instagram, and YouTube. 
Locked On Socks there on YouTube. For Chris Tannehill, my name is Herb Lawrence. We are the AL Central champion, Locked On Socks. <laughs>